0: Have you ever really looked forward to something, and I mean really looked forward to it, only to find out when it actually arrives that, well, it's a bit of a dud? It's disappointing when that happens, isn't it? It happened to me not long ago. I'd been using my little laptop for about three or four years, and I got to the point where I was sick of trying to squint to see what I was reading on the screen. In fact, it had got to the point where you had to you know wobble the screen and get it in just the right spot to see the picture. Um, it was ridiculous. So anyway, I bit the bullet and decided to order a nice new big desktop, which I did. And I was counting down the days till it came. I couldn't wait till this thing arrived. It was exciting. Finally it came and I opened up the box. Took a nice smell of new computer smell. It was good. Uh, took it out carefully, sat it on the desk, peeled off the plastic protective cover, plugged it all in and sat back. Took a few moments to admire this thing. It was an exciting day. Anyway, then I reached forward for the power switch, pressed it, nothing. This thing was a dud, didn't even work. I was so disappointed, I almost started crying. And if you don't believe me, you can ask Sarah, I was so disappointed. That's the kind of thing that's happening for the Israelites here in Haggai chapter 2. Right at the start, we're told, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. That means they've been working on the temple for about a month now. And after about three or four weeks of work, they can already see that this temple is a dud. It's disappointing. And so naturally they're discouraged. But as we think about this second bit of Haggai, we need to keep in mind the message of the whole book. We need to be reminded of it just like the Israelites did. The Lord Almighty remembers his promises... And he will honour them despite any obstacle. Now, what we'll see this evening is that idea exactly. The idea of the Lord Almighty overcoming any obstacle. We'll see that worked out in a very particular instance at a very specific point in time. What we'll see this evening is this problem of an inglorious little temple being overcome so that it's no problem at all as the Lord fills it with glory so that it is more glorious than anything else. And we'll think about how that pattern has some exciting and glorious lessons for us. But first, let's begin by thinking about the problem here. Now that the people have started working on the temple, it's disappointing. In fact, it seems like nothing, a complete waste of time. Have a look with me, Haggai chapter 2 and verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Now he's talking there about the temple that King Solomon built. And you might remember that it was indeed glorious. Solomon's temple was the pinnacle of Israel's history. Solomon had about a quarter of a million guys working on it non-stop, day and night, and still it took him seven years to build. He used only the best quality stone cut from a special quarry to build the temple, which he then lined on the inside with the finest cedar, brought down especially from Lebanon, so no stone could be seen on the inside, and that in turn was overlaid with nothing but pure gold. Even the furnishings in the temple were pure gold. The light fittings, lampstands really, pure gold. Pure gold wash basins. Even the doorknobs in the place were made of pure gold. This thing was glorious. It was majestic. And to top it all off, do you remember what happened when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant was brought into the temple? When they brought the Ark in and they set it down in the holy place, No one could even stay there because a cloud came down and filled the temple. The priests couldn't even go in and out and do their service because uh, because of the cloud, because in the cloud, the glory of the Lord came and filled his temple. The glory of that house was beyond anything else. It exceeded anything else because the glory of the Lord himself came and filled it. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Wasn't it glorious? Wasn't it majestic? Wasn't it magnificent? Verse three. Well, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Imagine if you can, we've got our plans sorted for our new building project. Seems like a long way off. But imagine we've got our plans sorted. And there's going to be a nice, big, new Schmick auditorium out the back there. It's going to seat as many people as we want. It's going to be fantastic. And so they start uh, working on it. And after three or four weeks, they've dug out and established the foundations and laid the slab. And so naturally, we're all excited to see what it's going to look like and get a vision for this thing. And so we head out the back there to have a look. But when we get out there and we have a look at the slab... It's only kind of big enough to fit a garden shed on. How disappointing would that be? That's exactly what's happening here. In Ezra, we're told that when the foundation of the temple was laid, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, they just wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the new temple. Compared to the old one, this new one is an absolute dud. It's disappointing and it's discouraging and it makes you just want to cry. You see, the people had their hopes set on the idea that rebuilding the temple would mean regaining God's blessing, regaining God's presence, regaining God's glory. You might remember last week we saw that when the people neglected God's temple, when they were apathetic to the things of God, it dishonoured God. And so presumably now, when they start working on God's temple, presumably that would bring honour to God. And so why is God not blessing their work? And more importantly, what does that say about the presence of God with his people? Because remember, after all, God himself had come and filled the old temple with his glory. But now that they've started working, it's obvious The new temple is puny and it's pathetic and it's discouraging and disappointing. But remember, God makes a habit of taking puny little things, of taking disappointing things and doing something great and glorious. If nothing else, the book of Haggai helps us to see that God makes a habit of overcoming obstacles for the sake of his people, for the sake of his name. And so as we keep reading, I hope you've got your sense of expectation and adventure with you. I hope you're excited to see how God is going to overcome uh, this disappointment. I hope you're ready to see how in the face of the Lord Almighty, this problem is really no problem at all. So let's pick it up from verse 3. And there's stacks in here, but as we read, just try and notice. What does God say will happen with this seemingly disappointing house? What does God say will happen with this house? So from verse 3. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Excuse me. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. Now there's lots of stuff in there. But did you notice at least, what does God say will happen to this seemingly disappointing house? Have a look with me again at the end of verse 7. I will fill this house with Glory. And it's there again in verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. This temple, the one that looks like nothing, the one that's just a source of disappointment and discouragement and weeping, it will be glorious. In fact, as glorious as Solomon's temple ever was, this present one will be even more glorious. Now, can that be right? How can that be right? You know, the reason Solomon's temple was so glorious wasn't because it was so big and impressive and imposing, although it certainly was those things. It wasn't glorious because of the fine cedar or because of the pure gold that it was made of. It wasn't glorious because of the expert craftsmanship that went into it, although those things are certainly impressive. No, the reason Solomon's temple was so glorious was because the glory of the Lord Almighty himself had come and filled it. So how can this new temple have greater glory than that? Well, it can only be that God is going to come to his people in an even bigger way than he did with Solomon. In fact, we get a hint of that back in verse 4. Have a look with me again. Now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do you remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt? The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and a pillar of fire to give them light and significantly neither the pillar of cloud nor the pillar of fire ever left its place in front of the people. What God promised or covenanted with the people when he brought them out of Egypt was that he would be with them. And what he's saying here is exactly that. Be strong and work for I am with you. In a little while I will shake the heavens. I will shake the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and I will fill this house with glory. You see the true glory of this temple this the greater glory of this new temple won't be how much gold or silver it's made of. Certainly it won't be based on its overwhelming size and an imposing nature because remember it seems like nothing. No, the stunning glory of God's temple will be God himself. This new temple, which looks disappointing, will be made stunningly glorious as God himself comes and dwells there with his people. Now, all of this, of course, raises a really interesting question. Has this ever happened? If so, when did it happen? Did a cloud of the glory of the Lord ever come and fill the second temple in the same way that it did with Solomon's temple? Has God ever come and brought glory to this temple? When they actually finished building the temple... God didn't come. In fact, for hundreds of years afterwards, the cloud never came. In fact, even by the time of the New Testament, God's glory had still not come to the temple. And then something astounding happened. Jesus came to the temple. And finally, God's glory came in a much, much fuller, a much more complete way than ever before. Turn with me, if you've got your Bible, open to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And here we get an amazing picture of the glory of God coming to the temple. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Friends, this is talking about Jesus. The one who in the beginning was with God. The one who was God. The one who is God. And get this. Jesus, who is God, went into the temple, the same temple they started building back in Haggai, and he stood there, and he called people to himself, people from every tribe and language and tongue and nation, and he taught them, and he called them to follow him. Friends, this is far more glorious than a cloud of God's glory filling the temple. This is God himself, Jesus Christ, the one who came from the Father with all the glory of the one and only, And he came and he stood in the temple and he filled it with glory. Now, this is a good point for us to think about what the lessons are for us in this. What we've just been thinking about is another example of the Lord Almighty remembering his promises and honouring them despite any obstacle. In this case, it was a very particular instance at a very specific point in time And so it's a little bit tricky to simply take this and apply it straight to us. But to help us to know what to do with it, we're going to think about just two lessons. Number one, what doesn't this mean for us? And number two, what does this mean for us? So number one, what this doesn't mean for us. What this doesn't mean for us is that God promises to bless and make glorious everything we do. Haggai doesn't say that and he just doesn't promise that. Now sure, here in Haggai, he took the disappointing crummy little temple and he filled it with glory. But that doesn't mean that he's going to take my disappointing efforts at say, gardening and make my garden the most glorious one in town. It doesn't mean he'll take your crummy little boat that you're working on or your rusty old car and make it something glorious. It doesn't mean that he's going to take dumb life choices like cheating on your tax or drinking too much or sleeping around or flirting with that married man or looking at porn and use them to do good things for his kingdom. It doesn't say that and God doesn't promise that. It doesn't even mean that he'll use our disappointing efforts at teaching scripture or kids at eveningchurch.fun. It doesn't even mean that he'll necessarily use our disappointing efforts at parenting or reading the Bible with our kids. Now, if we've seen anything from Haggai, we've certainly seen that God has a habit of taking crummy, disappointing little things and doing glorious things. He's done that with us, hasn't he? And so we can certainly do that. But this is not a promise to us that God will take our disappointing, crummy little efforts and do glorious things with them. Now, on a more positive note, what does this mean for us? Well, what this means for us, friends, is that we live in an absolutely amazing time. We are the household of God. We have seen God's promises in Haggai 2 fulfilled in amazing ways. God himself took the disappointing little temple... And he came into it in Jesus and he filled it with a stunning, all-surpassing glory. All the glory of the one and only. Friends, what a great reminder to us that God is faithful. What a great reminder that even when God seems slow in keeping his promises, that even when it's hard to see how he's working his promises out in our lives, what a great reminder that we can trust him. And we can know that he will honour his promises despite any obstacle because we have seen it. Just like he said he would, Jesus filled the temple with glory. That's certainly a lesson for us, isn't it, friends? God is faithful and he keeps his promises. But as wonderful as that is, this gets even better because like in Haggai 2, God's spirit remains among us too, doesn't it? Absolutely he does. And so we haven't just seen God come to live in glory in some little temple somewhere in the Middle East, but far more gloriously than that, we have seen and experienced and known God himself coming to live with us, coming to live in us by his spirit. And friends, if you're not excited about this, then maybe you just don't get it. If you're not excited about this, then wake up. God himself, the Lord Almighty, has come to make his dwelling with us, even now, right now. And friends, that is eternal life, that we might know God and know his son, Jesus Christ. And look, we don't just know him, but we live with him. And he lives in us. But you know what? As mind-blowing as that is, as amazing as that is, it gets even better. Because this bit of Haggai reminds us that God is faithful, that he keeps his promises despite any obstacle, that he can be trusted. And as wonderful as it is having God dwell in us now by his spirit, we have an even greater hope for the future. Because, friends, Jesus has promised that he will return And look, we've already seen God keep his promises and so we know he'll keep this promise. Friends, we know that Jesus will return. And on that day when he returns, he himself will be the even more glorious temple of God. That is the destination of history. That is where everything is headed, to a day when Christ will fully and finally be the glorious temple of God, the place where God himself will dwell with his people in glory, fully and finally, forever. The stunning glory of God's temple is God himself dwelling with his people and nowhere, but nowhere do we see that more fully than in Jesus. The day that he returns will be a day when the dwelling of God himself will be with men and he will live with them. A day when we will fully and finally be his people and God himself will be with us and he will be our God. A day when he will wipe every tear from our eyes. When there will be no more death or crying or mourning or pain. A day when he will have fully and finally overcome every obstacle. A day when he will have once and for all overcome all our disappointments and all our discouragements. Friends, what a glorious future we have to look forward to. When that day comes, it will not be a dud. It will not be disappointing. Now friends, if we really believe this, if we are really excited about this, then surely it ought to shape the way that we live now. And so, friends, the challenge this week is to meditate on this. Meditate on the glorious return of, of Christ. The most glorious temple of God. The place where we will live with God forever. Meditate on it. By all means, be excited about it. And then think. Think about who is at least one person in your life who needs to hear this. Think about the one person in your life that you need to share this with and then pray. Pray that God will work powerfully in you through by his spirit and then speak because friends, we know when Christ will return. We don't know the exact hour or day or minute but we know Christ will return when all the elect have come in, when all his chosen people have come in Christ will return when all those appointed for glory have come in. Christ will return when all those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life have come in. And the wonderful news of this is that we get a part to play in that. And so friends, meditate on this. Think about who needs to hear it. Pray that God would work in you powerfully by his spirit and then as an ordinary person, speak God's extraordinary words to another ordinary person and watch God do something marvellous and glorious. Friends, as we wait with eager expectation, let's remember and remind one another that God is faithful and he is powerful and we can trust him to keep his promises despite any obstacle and we have a glorious future to look forward to in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are a God who is powerful and faithful. You speak and you make marvellous promises, glorious promises. And Father, we trust you because you keep your promises. Father, we praise you because in your son uh, all your promises are yes. And Father, we look forward to that wonderful, great and glorious day when Christ returns, when he will be your your most glorious temple, when you will live with us as our God and we will live with you as your people, when every tongue will confess and every Uh, knee will bow to Christ Jesus as Lord Father we look forward to that day when there will be no more death or crying or mourning or pain when everything that is stuffed up with this world will be done away with and Father as we wait with excitement and eager expectation please work in us by your spirit stir us up use us to do great things for your kingdom Father use us as instruments to bring in your elect for your glory and to speed that day